Hi everyone, I'm Anna Stockstad with University of Minnesota Extension. And I'm Dave Noli with the Minnesota Logger Education Program. We're back with another very exciting podcast episode, and today we're going to be talking about regulations, which is everyone's favorite subject. And our guest today is David Demmer from the Minnesota Board of Soil and Water Resources, and thank you so much for joining us again, David. Absolutely. I appreciate you guys having me. So Anna joked a bit about regulations being our favorite subject, but you know the guidelines do list regulations that are important for us to be aware of. So in a previous episode, uh, you joined us and you talked about stream and wetland crossings. Now, a relevant regulation here is the Wetland Conver Conservation Act. Can you tell us more about what the act is and how it relates to forestry? Yeah, the Minnesota Wetland Conservation Act is the state laws associated with wetland conservation. Uh, it was passed in 1991, and its goal is to achieve a no net loss of water resources in the state. Uh, it does that a, by a number of ways. Um, uh, the most relevant to forestry or logging would be the forestry exemption. Um, that's uh, in the Wetland Conservation Act, there are two, two main areas where forestry is uh, called out as an activity and how it was regulated, both under the forestry exemption, which recognizes certain wetland impacts associated with silviculture, but also too under the no loss criteria. Uh, those are for uh, temporary impacts to wetlands as a result of silviculture activities. And there's also the public waters law. And I know that Bowser doesn't implement this program, but would you be able to really give a really quick summary for listeners um, who may not be familiar with it? Yeah, the public waters program um, is administered by the DNR uh, that administers public waters, which could include lakes, wetlands, rivers, and streams. Uh, there's different jurisdictional boundaries associated with that. Uh, public waters uh, are delineated using an ordinary high water level, which is an actual elevation on the landscape. Uh, like I said, it's DNR implemented. Uh, it's going to have different authorities. So use uh, the area hydrologists will issue authorizations uh, for permits for activities in public waters. And um, it's all done through a separate permitting uh, than WACA. It's called the MPARS online permitting application. So the guidelines also talk about a contractor responsibility form. Is that a, is that a tool that um, you know contractor, the operator in the field, is going to to use to to navigate um, the Public Waters Act and uh, uh, WCA and and then when would they use actually use the contractor responsibility form? Yeah, it's a really important question because uh, the landowner statement and contractor responsibility form is the document that is used for both wetlands and public waters. So essentially, uh, there are statutes on the books that say that uh, a contractor can't drain, fill, or excavate a wetland or public waters uh, without having a statement signed by the landowner saying that they either have obtained the necessary approvals or um, that they don't need approvals for it, the activity. So it's a very important document. Um, like I said, it's for both wetlands and public waters. The other aspect of it too that often gets overlooked is it's not just the responsibility to get that statement, but also to get that statement mailed to the appropriate office with jurisdiction. So for the Wetland Conservation Act, it's 
implemented locally. So that signed statement needs to go to what's called a local government unit uh, for public waters. Then that is going to be the office um, that's going to be the area hydro typically for the DNR. So important document. Uh, in the end, what I've seen it do is it kind of clarifies that, yep, we got all the approvals. Uh, so if things do go south and there is um, a violation or something like that, the liability is kind of sorted out. Either the landowner did their due diligence, got this, uh, the, con the contractor knew that where they stood on the regulatory side of things or not. Uh, so a very important document for both wetlands and public waters. It sounds a bit like a three-legged stool of sorts. You know, you have the contractor, you have the landowner, you have the governmental unit, uh, and you want to keep the legs on your stool pretty uh, pretty level or we're going to be falling over perhaps into a wetland somewhere. So uh, I do want to remind our listeners that they ever do need a refresher uh, about the relevant regulations during a timber harvest. They should refer to their FMG pocket guide or the full guidelines for that matter. Uh, and Remember that there are regulations that we haven't discussed here today in our brief podcast, like the noxious weed law, which requires the control and removal of noxious weeds on a site. And with that, that's all the time that we have for the episode today. Like I said in the beginning, I know regulations probably isn't the most intriguing topic, but it's really important to understand what regulations are relevant to um, a timber harvest that you may be conducting because it supports our social license to practice sustainable forestry. And I just want to say thank you so much for joining us today, David. Um, it's been great to hear your perspective from Bowser about these regulations. And to our listeners, stay tuned for the next episode, which will actually be our last episode in this series where Dave and I are going to be wrapping up um, all the content that we've gone through in these last 11 episodes. So thanks so much for listening.